again. It's great to be with you. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, that would be a really good idea, either the Lightite version, this is what it looks like, by the way, and, uh, or uh, a phone or a tablet. Would you open to Psalm 150? Um, we have been in a series, for those of you who are visiting here this morning, since July 9th, uh, uh, called Reflections in the Psalms. Uh, we've been through Psalm 1, which I began with on July 9th, and then went on vacation and a bit of a break, and then Psalm 15, 23, 63, 73, 91. And uh, there have been six speakers during that time, which is a real blessing to you. Amen? Besides me, I'm talking about. And uh, it's been great. It's been really, really good uh, to, to hear uh, other uh, preachers, other men bring the word from various psalms during the summer. And so I, th- I found it fitting that uh, since we began with Psalm 1, uh, that we should end with Psalm 150, because that is the last of the psalms that are recorded approximately, get this, 3,000 years ago. 3,000. And, and here they are. And very meaningful for us today, as I hope you will see this morning. So I, as is our pattern, I'm going to read... The verses in Psalm 150, just six of them, they will not be on screen to begin with. We'll come back to them later, and then I'm going to pray one more time. Psalm 150, David wrote, King David, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and with harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud crashing cymbals. Amen. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's a theme there, isn't there? Pray with me, would you? Father, our God in heaven, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, uh, we are so thankful that we get to be here today. We are so thankful that, yeah, Lord, we can, we can open this text that in, in a lot of people's minds is just, it's ancient. Uh, how can it possibly have relevance and meaning to us here today? especially those of us in North America who are so modern in our thoughts and our minds and so educated, or so we seem to think we are. And yet, Lord, we, we come humbly to your word every week because why? Well, because we, we actually see that um, what you have to say here, what has been recorded here, is truth. It is wonderful truth. It is truth that... Um, saves us, relieves us from our own attempts to yeah, build the good life on our own. Instead, we can see that you have a good life for us. And so, Lord, I just thank you so much for these psalms. I thank you for David, your servant. I thank you that he, uh, as a worship leader and musician, but also as a king, he wrote these psalms so that we would worship you, that we would praise you. So, Lord, I pray that you would just take the words that are on my heart today that you've given to me about my own experience with praise and worship, and I pray, Lord, that it would speak to my brothers and sisters, friends who are here today, those who are watching online or listening later, in such a way that it would cause all of us to want to come here together collectively and do just that, 
to sing our praises to you, just like we did a few minutes ago. So I pray these things in your worthy name, Jesus. Amen. So again, for those of you who are visiting, I, we don't every week have a three-point sermon. Because <laughs> sometimes I just look at the text, old, older preachers, those guys are way older than me, Mostly, most of them are dead. <clears throat> they all have sermons that are three points, right? It's just, it's, a, it's whatever. And sometimes I look at a text and I'm like, I feel like I'd be forcing it, right? Not this time. So your sermon t- title for today is Praise and Worship. I hope to show you through six verses, three things. It's actually three of them in the first, but number one, whom, where, and why we praise. Number two, how we praise. And number three, who is called to praise God. Many of you who have been part of The Rock for the last 14 years who know me know that I was raised Catholic. Yes, <clears throat> was an altar boy, got the T-shirt, you know, and uh, in Toronto was raised and went to Blessed Sacrament uh, Church in downtown Toronto. It's still there. My, my, my dad... Uh, uh, agreed with the Catholic Church to raise me as a Catholic so that my mother could be married in the Catholic Church, although my dad was not a Catholic nor really a Christian. So on Sunday mornings most of my life, I was forced to go to church, sometimes with my mother, but otherwise by myself. And on Sunday mornings when I got into my teens, 13, 14, and 15, I had discovered rock and roll, right? I, I became a drummer in a band in high school, and uh, by the way, these drums over here are, are actually mine. Um, Later in life, we'll get to that. Anyway, I'm going to this church, and I like to sit in the second row because there was a, a couple of older women up there, and they were always very like, oh, it's good to see you here, Sonny, and, you know, that kind of thing, right? But they were lovely, and I, and I like to be close to the front because I want to see where the action is, right? But, but by the same token, this, this, this church is not a cathedral. It's not big enough to be a cathedral, but it's pretty close, and it's got a lot of marble everywhere, right? And there's, of course, statues of Mary, right, and the statues of Peter and other people who I don't quite remember who they were. And there's, of course, Jesus still on the cross. That's a bit weird, if you think about it, right? But I just remember there, like in my 14, 15-year-old person, this rock and roll guy, hearing this organ on the second level at the back, and just thinking, this is so old. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I like this, right? And then they, people, thankfully, the, the ladies and other people would start singing very old songs that sounded... Did I say very old? I mean, they just, I don't know. But, but, but the good thing was that occasionally, occasionally you could actually hear their voices over the organ. I like that. I, and I remember it well. I really do. Years later, at the age of 23, I heard the gospel for the first time in downtown Toronto at the very first Protestant church that I ever went into in my life. And I was, I was a little, I was a little, like, suspicious. Like, like, who are these people? Whatever. But Janice was raised... Protestant, and so we go to this church, and I heard the gospel for the first time. And it, it, I mean, you know, I'm an altar boy. I'd been to Catholic church and and went to Catholic schools, and I heard the catechism, but I didn't hear the gospel. And I heard the gospel, that Jesus died for my sins. There, There was nothing that I could do to save myself, which was a little bit different than what I'd been taught. He did it all. So I heard that. And then through a a remarkable series of events, other people, you know, started preaching the gospel to me, talking to me, even at work at the stereo shop that I worked at in downtown Toronto. And in a very short period of time, two or three months, this long-haired rock and roll hippie in downtown Toronto got a haircut. I came to faith in Jesus Christ and trusted him as my Lord and Savior. And I've been doing my best on my part to walk with him since that day. Not perfectly. He's very patient. 
with me. And so it was incredible. Shortly after coming to faith, I had a very difficult decision to make. Janice and I were living together in an apartment. That's another story. I'll get there some other time. And uh, anyway, I had just bought a $3,000 set of new transparent Slingerland drums. It's 1978. Do the math. That was all of the money that I ever... It, that's a lot of money today, I'm telling you, right? Brand new. And they were in our second bedroom all set up, right? And we come home one day from church, and Janice looks at me, and I look at her, and she goes, you know, you got to sell them, right? And I'm, oh. She was right. Because, I mean, long story short... Um, just imagine the lifestyle of a 23-year-old rock and roll musician in downtown Toronto. Enough said. I sold the drums. I, immediately, I agree with her, and I sold them, and I had a loss, of course. Many years later, and again through circumstances that only God can orchestrate, he brought about an opportunity at a Bible camp just down here in House Sound called... Um, and we call it Anvil Island, but it's Daybreak, Daybreak Point Bible Camp. Uh, the worship leader for the teen camp that I was leading showed up without a drummer. It's a teen camp. And I said to him, no, that can't, that's, that can't happen. So we found a set of drums, brought them up on a boat, and I sat in with the worship team, first time in 15 years, and the guy looked at me, can you play? And I sat in, and, you know, it's like riding a bike on a... And, and I started to play with this guy, and eventually I actually played in a band with him. Started from that point on, playing on worship teams, um, and from that point got a new set of drums, these right over here, and started playing in worship teams. In that time, the reason why I'm bringing this up is for several reasons, as you'll see, I've seen many different styles of worship in my life. Many. And so I tell you this because I'm aware of the fact that, honestly, I think, I don't know for sure, but I think many of us who are here today, we, we don't actually know why we do what we just did five minutes ago. Some of us, we, we just, well, we do it because we do it, right? But we don't know why we do it. I mean, if you look at Acts 2.42, the Bible, right, where the church was born, it says, and they continued steadfastly in what? The breaking of bread, uh, pardon me, the apostles' doctrine, the breaking of bread, the fellowship, and the prayers. Worship? It's not there. So that's interesting. Actually, some people who are, I'm going to say, just maybe a little bit narrow, <laughs> uh, they would say, well, that's a good reason why we shouldn't be doing that in the church today. It's actually an argument that, that some people have. And so uh, what I also want to suggest to you is we, we do have actually instruction in the Scripture about it, don't we? We just read it. Psalm 150. David's pretty clear about it. All of the Psalms are about... These are songs written to sing and play music to in the gathering of, well, the people of Israel at that time, but also in the church. And let me prove that to you. Ephesians 5, Paul instructs the church in Ephesus with these words. He says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in, look, psalms, oh, 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 not just the psalms, hymns, yep, hymns, even those old hymns, those, those are really good ones, spiritual songs, singing, and listen, making melody. <laughs> For some of us, I know that's a challenge. We'll get there today. But that's what we were doing this morning, making melody to the Lord in our hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, there's many more. 1 Corinthians 14, Psalm 100. There, there's many more descriptions in the Scripture uh, that tell us that, yeah, this is something we should be doing. We really should be doing this. So, all of these examples make it clear that praise through songs with musical instruments, which is what the Greek word literally means, psalm, uh, are integral part of the worship gathering of the church. The question then that is left for us is this. Well, how should that look, right? That's the question. 
And boy, is it ever debated. Amen? Oh, yes. A lot of people have their opinions on it, don't they? A lot of people have their preference too, don't they? Just don't raise your hands because I know. I know. In 14 years, I've heard your preferences. We all have. We all have them. That's okay. So there are these things. So now when we consider the various hows that we might find in churches and denominations for that matter, uh, we will see quite a wide spectrum and, yes, again, much disagreement on how we should be conducting ourselves during this part of the worship service because it's all worship, greeting, music, word, fellowship. It's all part of the worship service. And so how should that look? Well, some are on, on one very far end of the spectrum. I'm just going to put this out there for you. There are some people in North America, and we love them. We love you if this is where you come from. Uh, we do, but there are people on a far end of the spectrum who, who would look at it this way. They absolutely believe no musical instrument should be allowed in the gathering of the church during worship. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I, I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but have they read Psalm 150? But they believe that f- sincerely. In fact, there are some who believe, well, uh, it should be completely a cappella, which means no musical instruments, just vocally. And that can be beautiful, by the way. It really can be at times. It's actually a good variation. But they will also suggest that, yeah, no musical instruments and that the only hymns or songs that should be sung are the Psalms. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but that is true in many churches today. So actually, one funny story that I recalled, um, at the church that we were going to in Richmond at the time that I got my drums and played at this Bible camp, um, we came back from Bible camp, and well, the church, <laughs> the church had just moved on from piano only and allowed a guitar, okay? So they were modernizing. This is not that long ago, guys. And so drums, no, not a chance. Not allowed in the church. So we got back from camp. My drums are in, in the van, and so we're unloading them in the church, and there's nowhere to put them, right? And so we, we thought, oh, Here's a great idea. There's a baptismal tank on the stage. <clears throat> and sadly to say, it's not being used very often. So we put my drums in there. Two weeks later, I'm preaching my first ever sermon. First ever sermon in that church, anywhere. And I get up, and it's a pretty conservative church. I love them, right? And I'm starting off thanking the elders in the church for allowing me to preach on that Sunday morning. And then I, and I simply said, like I, I said, oh, and by the way, <clears throat> my drums, yeah, they're in the baptismal tank being sanctified. <laughs> yeah, a few people did what you did, and the elders went, what <laughs> are you saying? Yeah. Now, I need to deal with this. There, there's another extreme today in North America and around the world. A few months ago, Janice and I watched a documentary called uh, Secrets of Hillsong. Now, for those of you who are not aware, Hillsong United is a a group of churches out of Australia. And um, it was birthed there, but it spawned church plants all over the world, mostly in the U.S. and Canada, by the way. Um, And and most of those church plants follow exactly the same model that they do in Australia. Um, The documentary, sadly, is mostly about, again, the moral failure of pastors. Moral failure. I don't need to spell that out. It's tragic. It's been happening far too often. What struck me, however, again, was because as a person, as why I gave you all that background, who loves praise and worship, 
what struck me in that, that, that documentary was what the documentary had to say about their actual music ministry. Similar to at least two other that I'm aware of megachurch movements in the world, uh, their music ministry is the front door to their church. And sadly, it's the front door to some questionable theology. What was revealed in the documentary was three things. First, their music ministry is the key focus. When you go to their churches, it's 40 to 45 minutes of worship. Preaching of the word is clearly, you get the impression, secondary. It's about worship. The model is this. Turn off all the house lights. Turn it all off. Flood the stage with lights and music. And I sometimes joke, smoke machines. It's not a joke. Big screens with big letters and big graphics and big images. The rest that occurs for the next 40 to 45 minutes is a rock show. I'm a rock musician. (laughs) I love rock music. But that's what it is. And that's exactly what takes place. Thirdly, and honestly, the saddest thing for me overall was the testimony of many of the musicians who were part of writing the songs for Hillsong United. Their testimony was very simple. We were pushed daily, sometimes eight to ten hours a day, to write these songs, to record them for very low wages, and we received none of the royalties of the millions and millions of dollars that these albums sell, including the royalties that they make when churches like The Rock and every other church play their songs on Sunday morning because we pay a license fee to CCLI. And I'm not saying it's wrong because in many cases, those men and women who wrote those songs wrote godly, theologically wonderful songs. And so we decide here what we're going to play on that basis. So that really saddened me because of that. And so I hope you would agree with me, that's not the how as much as this over here is not the how, that we should be doing this. So I bet when you came here today, some of you are thinking, is that what we're going into with Psalm 150? Yeah, yeah. Because we want to see from the Lord today what it should look like, what he wants to hear from us. Are we perfect? No. No, we're not. So let's have a look at point number one. Whom, where, and why we praise. Verses 1 and 2 will be on screen. Let's have a look. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. (sighs) David's on a roll. (laughs) Thirteen times. He uses the word praise or praises in six verses. It's a theme. So, So praise whom? Pretty clear, right? You don't need a preacher to show you this. It's right there on screen. It's highlighted. You can see it in your Bibles, right? Praise who? Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise him three times. That's the focus. That's the focus. So friends, this is possibly, I hope, the most important thing that you will take here from today about praise part of our service today is that the praise part of our service here today is not about you or me. It's not about you or me. And you see, that's potentially the problem with that Hillsong model that I mentioned. What's the goal there? The the goal there, well, I'm an ex 
Some of you know my, my background. Does anybody need me to tell you what the, the, the field was? Okay, I won't. Marketing? It's marketing 101. It's, it's not about the product. It's not about Jesus. It's not about his death on the cross for your sins. It's not about dying to yourself and living for Christ every day. It's about the experience. It's about coming to a worship service like that and, and being so overpowered emotionally by the experience. So what's the goal? To get you to come back next week. You know, there's a little secret besides Hillsong, but many megachurches that are like that, they know this little secret. After the 45 minutes of worship, many people, a significant percentage of people, leave the building before the preacher comes up. Hmm. So this is why we're here. We're, we're not here to experience something. Is that a byproduct that can be wonderful? Amen. It's a wonderful byproduct. That's not why we're here. That's not why we're here. We're here to praise him. So the praise and worship time, the whole of the gathering for that matter, is not about you and I. It's not an about experience, how it elevates us emotionally or even physically or what we can get out of it. It is about, the focus is about him, praising him. So let me, let me, let me take this home, okay, to all of us here today. How might that inform your thinking on a Sunday morning when you're at home and you're thinking, yeah, I, I'm a little tired today. I'm not really that excited to be there on Sunday. I mean, the mountain is crying out to me. It's okay. It's okay. You know what we mean by faithfully attending Sunday gatherings. How about your heart before coming here? So listen, I, I know this all too well to myself as well. Okay, I, I'm your pastor, and, and you, of course, expect me to be. Bottom line is I, I kind of have to be, right? But it's, it's actually no different from me. There are days, depending on my week, there are times, depending on what's been going on in my life, personally, um, in our family, but also in our church, where I'm like, you know, I wish, my, I wish my vacation could be extended. I mean, there are Sundays when I come here, right? And, and as I get here, and some of the guys at the back, they know Glenn's running around straightening chairs, trying to make certain things whatever. But there are Sundays when I'm standing over here, and I, and I actually say to Janice on certain, well, all the time, I kind of say to her, like, honey, I know you're getting prepared for Sunday school upstairs, but would you please come downstairs and sit here beside me in the front row so that we can worship together? Why? Because she knows full well there are Sundays when I'm even there, and I can hear you, and I can see the words on the wall, and, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm not singing. But I know when she's there, I'll look over to her, and she'll go, and she'll go, come on, Pastor. She does that. And you know what? It works. It's a beautiful thing. So, okay, that's me. Just being honest. That's me. How about you? What's preventing you from getting here for in the first place on a Sunday morning? And secondly, to your seat. And, and then next, actually praising and worshiping God. Rather than letting all of the things in your life, all of the things that just happened when you walked in the door and nobody actually smiled at you, shook your hand, and greeted you. And you're thinking about that while you're halfway through the first song. Don't raise your hand. I know, I know. There's a lot of reasons, right, right why this can be the, the, the situation. Or even before that, of course, there's that wonderful conversation that you may have had in the car on the way here with your spouse. Or getting the kids in the car, 
or whatever it is. Or, come on, legitimately, struggles in your life. We all have them. And they can prevent us when we get here from being part of the praise, part of the actual worship of our God. And, of course, the last part is, oh, yeah, listen, I love Rudy. We love Rudy. We love Nick. We love all our worship leaders. But honestly, this morning, it's not doing it for me. Anybody ever had that? Again, the word me is really important. If our focus is there, then we're really missing the reason why we're here. It's about him. And if we can turn that focus, and that's what this psalm is about. It's about helping us turn our focus. And so listen, that's about the whom. What about the where? Well, two places in the scripture, and it'll be, you'll see a change of screen here where it says this. In where? In his sanctuary. In his mighty heavens. That's the where that we worship God. So notice it, listen, notice that it is his sanctuary, his mighty heavens, and guess what? You're all, we're all invited. It's his place. It's his world. It's his creation. It's his cosmos. It's his holy place. It's his sanctuary. But you're invited into it. Not because of anything you've done at all, but because he's our God. And he loves us so much. So where is the sanctuary? Well, the people of Israel will have known where that sanctuary was, right? That sanctuary was the temple. That was God's holy place. Why? Because God actually resided there. So they would go to temple uh, on Saturday on their worship day. They would go to temple. Why would they go to there? Or synagogue? They would go there. Why? Because God's there. They wanted to worship him. They wanted to be in his presence because that's where he was in his holy place, in his sanctuary, in his temple. That all changed on the cross, didn't it? When, when Jesus died on the cross, we read in the scripture that just as he breathes his last breath, not only is there a darkening of the whole earth, not only is there a great thunder and rolling earthquake, the curtain in the temple is torn in two, and at that point, you... Every one of you in this room, everyone watching, myself included, have been given access to the holy temple of God. And then on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and began to dwell in every Christian and every believer in Christ, what also changed? Well, this is just a building. We like to say at the Rock Church, the church is not a building place or an event, because it's not. The church is you and me. Those who have Christ in them is the church. And so when we gather on Sunday corporately, that's so important. Corporately, we're with God. We're with one another, but we're with him. This experience, this setting cannot be replicated out there by yourself up on the mountain. Actually, that comes in here too. Right? That's why it goes on and says, secondly, we see that we are to praise him where? In his mighty heavens. Okay, great. But when? When we leave here, go rock climbing this afternoon. God bless you. Be safe. Every day when we go out into this world, we're to be praising him for his creation, for all that he has done, all of the beauty that we see out there. 
And so that's the purpose. We, we gather corporately to the church and individually we, pray, we praise him as we scatter throughout the week. And how can we not, living in a beautiful place like this, even when there's smoke, come on, it's still beautiful. It's still his provision. The heavens here speak uh, to all of his creation, the earth as well as the cosmos. We won't have it on screen, but it also says everywhere really is the idea. Psalm 149, the very psalm before this says this, let them sing for joy where? In their beds. What is that suggesting? When you wake up, start your day with that. I'm preaching to me here, okay? Just want to let you know that because what do I reach for when I first wake up? Yeah, my phone. I'm confessing. I'm sorry. So you, yes, you can praise God on the mountain. Yes, of course you can. This is incredibly important to your life. So finally then, there's the why. Why do we praise him? Why do we praise God? And that's spelled out with what we should all know at the rock. We praise him for who he is. We praise him for what he has done. He's done everything. Everything. Verse 2 says, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. We sang this morning a song about and, and related, I think Rudy related to in prayer, something about, you know, like, that he knows the, the number, the very number of the grains of sand on this earth. Maybe you're a scientist, and you think, wow, it's metaphor. It's not. This is our God. The galaxies, the cosmos, this is his creation. This is who we give praise to. We, we stand in awe of this God and this creator. So I, I could spend a, a whole message. We could be here until midnight to unpack this. Maybe can I suggest this to you? Maybe meditate on that and pray on that this week, okay? So that's point number one. Point number two, how we praise, how we actually do it. Look at this in verse three to five. Praise him with trumpet sound. That's interesting. In those days, the people of Israel would use a trumpet for what? Well, it was a call to worship, but it was also a call to war. (laughs) It was a call to war. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Hold on. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. Wow. So after reading the scripture and much of David's life, we know that he was a shepherd boy. In his teen years, he was a shepherd boy. He looked after sheep in the field, right, Uh, when he was young. And we also know that he was a prolific songwriter, a musician, and a worship leader. We also know he became a really bold and strong king and leader. The instruments most attributed to him uh, that he played and performed with were the lyre, or as we see in our scripture here today, the lute, and also the harp. I love the image of the harp, right? Wasn't there a cream cheese commercial about a bunch of angels playing harps up on clouds in heaven? I hope that actually happens when we get there. I, just want, I want to see that, right? <laughs> Harps, be, but, but David played the harp as well. So let's, uh, and yet David, as, as I've said, was also a mighty warrior, mighty king. And so I don't know about you, but there are a few things in these three verses that really stand out for me and I personally love. Of course, as a percussionist, as a drummer, I love the fact that it says, sounding cymbals. But then it goes on to say, loud, crashing cymbals. 
I really love that because I, again, I'm a percussionist. I play drums, but I also played in orchestras when I was a kid and I played in, in like major symphony, or, symphony orchestras. And, you know, I, I had also, I'd play the big drums and I'd play something else, glockenspiel. And then near a certain point in, in, the, in the orchestration, I'd go over and bu- pick, pick up those really big things, you know, the really big ones, and I'd wait for that moment. <laughs> it was my moment. Occasionally I missed it. <laughs> so, what? what? Oh, my music teacher would look at me, Glenn, and I'd be like, Oh, it's awesome. Okay? Okay, that's, that's my highlight. It's a great thing, right? It's a really, really wonderful thing. Okay, seriously. This psalm heartily approves musical instruments, does it not? And, and not only that, it heartily appro- approves a diversity. I love the way that our worship team did that this morning. I mentioned to them a few weeks ago, we had uh, 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 Jersine was, was on the... the, the Recorder, is it? <laughs> the flute sounding thing is beautiful. And, uh, and then also another gal in our church was on violin, and it was like, oh, we were like, and I said, we, we, I'm thinking this morning because of this sermon, it would be great to have the violin. And Jersine said to me, obviously, he goes, like, we have room on this stage, right? Anyway, it was just true. It was a true statement, but I really love that. So this heartily proves that, and frankly, as diverse as possible. And, and I think that speaks to the character of our God, doesn't it? He's, he's very creative, but this speaks to the fact that he, he enjoys music. It's a gift, actually. A lot of things from our God that we love are good gifts. Sometimes we spoil them, but it's a good gift. And it just it speaks a lot about his character and his heart that he loves good music. I'm also sure some of you noticed that there is dancing in verse 4. But I'm pretty sure from my study of Scripture, that's uh, like a future event in heaven. <laughs> I know, I know. I just, just, okay. Oh, come on. That's true, right? I've been in settings where people got up and started, you know, swirling things and, and started dancing and stuff. I'm going, okay, honey, we need to leave. No. No, we, we maybe next week. Okay. Dancing. It's beautiful. So seriously, again, in conclusion to this point, I want us to see this. It, it, the Spirit's hope for us is that we will see that praising God during that period of time in our service is a great thing. It's a great thing. It's not the only thing, but it is a great thing. Thirdly, who's called to praise? Look at this in verse 6. Let, what's that word? Everything that has what? Breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's his conclusion to the psalmist. Beautiful. So don't miss this. Everything that has breath. L- listen, have you heard the birds in the morning? I, where, we, where we live, we have a bunch of trees, and we have a lady who lives, our neighbor behind us, who's got a bunch of bird feeders in the back. And it starts around 4.30 in the morning, <clears throat> which I personally find a little annoying, right? But it's, I, I was thinking about it this week as I'm, I'm coming to this conclusion for you this morning, which you're very grateful for, is that isn't it amazing that every morning, these creatures who have breath, as soon as there's the, even the glimmer of light, which I'm like, close the curtains, they start chirping. Now, now listen, we know that it's not a language per se, but th- we know that they do connect through that. There's something, but, but then it becomes a cacophony of like dozens of them, hundreds of them. And at some point, you have to listen to that and go, hold on, what's actually really going on here? Let me ask you this. What do you think the Lord God is hearing? I want to suggest to you he's hearing praise. 
And I think that's what he would like to hear from us every morning, every day. So listen, church, friends, I want to close with a couple of encouragements. I want to encourage you, our whole church family, that from today forward, we lift up our voices here in the morning, like really lift them up. Let's be encouraged by that. Let's, let's be challenged by that. I remember many years ago going to, uh, I think, the first pastor's conference. Because I'm, I'm a late-in-life church planter pastor. This is my first church plant and my last and pastor in life. And the first time I got to go was 250 guys from across Canada are in this room. And I, the praise was going on. And I, I actually did get a bit emotional because I, I heard these men, these pastors, believe it or not, they do sing. And, and they were singing out so boldly and so loud. My heart was moved. It was greatly moved. But also I had this thought, man, I wish the church could hear this. Your pastors do sing. (laughs) They sing and sang so beautifully. That's what I heard. And I thought, in a much smaller setting this past Friday night, we had an elder and wives mini retreat at Joey and Jen Hutchison's place uh, up at their house. And uh, Rudy led us in a couple songs of worship before. And as we conclude, just 10 of us in the room with a guitar, And as we concluded, I said to everyone who was there, all the elders and their wives, I said, remember that Sunday morning, because that was beautiful. It was beautiful. Let's just remember that. So right now, I want to speak to all the men in the room. On that pastor note, I want to speak to all the men in the room today. And guys, look, I know some of you are saying, Glenn, you have not heard me sing. You know what? You're right. You know what? Neither has the Lord. Guys, I understand. Some of us has the, has the, have this feeling that we can't sing or it's like, it's not manly or whatever. I don't know. I like, I like listening to the ladies. Did you notice there was that song this morning where there was a line for the men and there was a line for the ladies? Who do you think won that one? The ladies. I didn't turn around and look at some of you guys in the room, but I'm pretty sure some of you are going, glad Rudy's singing that line. I want to speak to you on that, however. For your encouragement, let me suggest this. The Lord wants to hear your voice. For your encouragement, I want to suggest this to to you. If you're a married man here today, your wife wants to hear your voice. Your kids, if you're married today and have children, want to hear your voice. If you're a single man here today, your brothers and sisters in Christ want to hear your voice. The Lord wants to hear your voice. And look, it's really simple. It's called the tuning fork syndrome. If you don't think you can sing, believe me when I say this, you can I can sing. I've learned how to sing. Not great, but I can sing. They won't put me on the worship team and give me a mic, but I can sing. How do I know that? Well, it's pretty simple. It's the tuning fork principle. You can start singing. Maybe at first the people in the row in front of you are going to be going, "Eh," but it's like a tuning fork. Eventually, the pitch will come to you. Eventually, you'll get it, and eventually you'll be, it is well with my soul. See, I, I can actually do it. You can do this. You can do this. One more thing in closing. I remember really, really well, 14 years ago, we were just about to plant this church and we did not have anybody to lead worship. And Matt and I are on a Skype call with two young men who are at that time in Montreal. Andrew Cool was going to YWAM in Montreal and his brother Nick was there visiting him. And we knew them through other family members who are here part of our rock church. And we were talking to them about the vision for the Rock Church, and they were musicians, 
And Nick in particular was a worship leader in their church in Langley, and he was a good vocalist as well. And they were like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. A few months later, they moved here. And between the two of them, they helped establish our first worship team. 14 years ago, I think Nick was 13 at the time. He was young. He was quite young. And so as I said, I knew their family and knew a little bit about their church background and that they were talented, and they are. We had a few brief discussions once they got here about what we wanted it to look like. And, and you know, I had some input to it as the lead pastor, as the planter. And I, I think I simply said something to them like this. I said, look, let, let's have some contemporary music songs for sure. But guys, let, let's also have some classic, great hymns of the faith, okay? And oh, by the way, if you want to write some new arrangements, don't mess with the melody, but if you want to write some new arrangements, please do. And they did. And they really set a pattern for the vision for our worship in our church today. And now we have people like Rudy, and we have people like Mark Goulet here today, and others who have been leading worship in our church. And you know what? I believe quite firmly that they intentionally lead us in such a way that we are best able to praise and worship our God and our Savior. Amen? Amen. And I also believe this with all my heart. I believe that the Lord, when he hears a church singing and praising him like that, is greatly pleased. Pray with me, would you? Uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, we know that you want to hear us sing. We know that you want to hear us praising you, loving you from our hearts. Father, we know from your word, there is going to be a great worship time in heaven, in eternity. It's going to be like every day. It's going to be consistent. So, Lord, I just want to thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Psalms. Thank you for how you're guiding us and leading us and teaching us as a church. I pray that you would bless us in this fall season as we come to it. And, Lord, yeah, I pray that we would just catch an even deeper and greater vision as a body, as a church, for praising you during this particular time of our service. And so even now, Lord, as we're going to go to communion, which is a response in worship that we do every week, we're also going to sing again. It's another response. It's a way of responding to your teaching to us, Holy Spirit, through the word and how that prompts us. And so we want to thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us through these times this morning. And I pray your blessings now in Jesus' worthy name. Amen.